Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. I am here with Andy Valiant from Hello. Flamebearer and Oak. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Very well. Good. Very good to be here. Oh, it's lovely to have you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Well, we're going to be doing a side card reading with you today. Um, do you know what that entails? Uh, not really, but yeah. um, some very uh, pretty looking cards. They're gorgeous, aren't they? Yes. Um, I will explain. So basically each card is an archetype and that is kind of a Jungian archetype so it's not literal you're not gonna like go to prison um <laughs> or anything like that if no, you... well <laughs> <laughs> well you might <laughs> yeah, <Yes. exactly. laughs> we'll find out yeah. um but no like they're kind of like we'll turn over a card I'll read a description from this little book from the 70s um nice. and it is definitely from, there are some like outdated descriptions so don't worry if something okay. says something weird yeah. um but you just tell me how you feel about it and that's how we're going to do the interview can i say something weird yeah sure uh, not now but i you probably can say, will say something anything weird. you want yeah okay, yeah fine. you can you can swear you can come out with, really like, if you okay. want fuck i was worried it. that that wasn't fuck it yeah. i was worried that wasn't going to happen that we can uh we can mouth off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we can we can say anything anything you like. This is a safe space. Excellent. Um, I'll shuffle the deck for you. Thank you. Because uh, because because I know you are. Out in him. Yeah. I didn't mean to out you. No, I did it myself, really. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was what wasn't said. Yeah. You know. Poor shuffler. Yeah. I'm not a poor shuffler, just okay. anti-shuffle. Do you want me to pick one? I will make Here you lay down... Um, what now? Free... <laughs> oh. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll make you do three cards in a row, like that, and then yeah. we'll work outwards. We'll and see how long it takes. Flip or... No, just, just we'll flip them at the end. We'll flip one at a time, yeah. Nice. Very nicely done. So this is your present. Mm. That's going to be your future. Yeah. And that's going to be your past. Okay. Do you want to start with the present? Uh, yes. Oh, friendship. Okay. Aww. That's nice. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lovely picture as well. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's like, like, are they in a tavern? They are in a with tavern. With a parrot. There is a parrot. Yeah, there's like rum, brandy. What's that? Hock? Hock, yes. I thought so, that was ham. So it would be uh, yes. German wine, isn't yes, it? Yes, German wine. Well, that Sweet shows wine. how much I, like I know. It's nice. I like hock. Yeah. There's one that looks like burger. It's well. burg. I guess it's a German tavern. Oh, mm. their legs are crossed over. It's lovely. Mm. Okay, so I'll read this. Three comrades are seen drinking in a tavern with a hint of a fourth about to join them. Wines and spirits in barrels in the background and an exotic bird. The atmosphere is cheerful and the beer is flowing. This card shows that aspect of life that centers around friends, comradeship and sociabilities. It stands for parties and togetherness. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's nice. It's very nice. It's a yeah. good start, isn't it? So that's my present. That's your present. That's where I am right now. Right now. So am I joining if you, three people or someone? It could be your band. It could yeah. be your social life. Yeah. It could be your work. Don't have a social life. You don't? <laughs> no. I'm in oh. a band. It doesn't happen. <laughs> that's your social uh, yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay. Could be us three. It, honestly, it could be. I'm an exotic bird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When you I, said exotic bird, it was yeah, like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah All there right. it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we your friends. Yeah, that's, yeah. Isn't yeah. that nice? Confirmed. That's very nice. Yeah. We have got on very well, haven't we? Yeah. Imagine if we didn't. Oh, no. If I'd come up and I was a bellend. <laughs> That'd be very awkward. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, It'd we, be a good interview. Yeah, yeah. It would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're being very nice right now, aren't we? So, you know. Have you ever watched a Nardwar interview? Uh, 
No. Oh my god. Was that was that good? Um so Nod Nod was this Canadian <laughs> Nod was this like Canadian guy yeah. who like dresses up and has a very odd voice. Um yeah. and he will interview bands in like a really creepy way yeah. but in like a great way so he'll like literally research why you went to primary school and be like you had this teacher in year three and like you flunked math right. and then the, the person will be like what the fuck yeah. how do you know that yeah. um, and sometimes it goes really well and other times he'll interview Henry Rollins who's literally about to punch him in the yes. face and it's amazing yeah. yeah so you interviewed him oh hell no, no. would no. you interview him hell yeah and he's in Canada he, he's so Canadian you, yeah you could set up a Skype couldn't you and interview him and get him on his own <laughs> you, could, you could do him on his own. Stuff. I could do him on his own. <laughs> I could do him yeah, on his own. Do him on his own. Yeah, yeah. Just do him on his own. <laughs> do him on his own. <laughs> All right, Nardwa, I'll do you on your own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Nardwa. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But yeah, friendship. I mean, you're in a band um, we've mentioned, Flame Bearer and Oak, mm. and there is a great deal of comradeship when it comes to being in a band. You've got to be able to get on with everyone, right? You do. And um, making music is really hard when you don't get on. Mm-hmm. And there's been bands I've been in where it's just the chemistry hasn't been great and you can end up uh, not really doing much. So it, friendship is, it's weird. Like they say never work with your friends. And in fairness, most of the people I've worked, I've never really been friends with before, but then you develop a friendship after. So it's very honest, isn't it? Like when you like making music, I think you, you have to be quite brave sometimes, and especially as a vocalist. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm, I'm not running down like drummers or anybody like that because I'm sure they also have to go the extra mile as well. But when you have to come up with some weird noises, like, well, I love doing it though. Yeah. I love like, like trying out new stuff, and everyone just laughs and stuff. But as long as everybody's, it's just a trust thing, you know. And you can try some strange things and write some weird passages and stuff. And I think it's weird we were talking earlier about writing about goblins. Yeah, is that right? And uh, I don't know. There's something so cool about doing that, isn't there? Goblins are great because I suppose it's the fantasy world that you can develop and stuff like that. But yeah, it can be quite funny as well. And and I've always been quite theatrical with what we do. So, like, the, we were talking about the, earlier about being the kingly side of things. And it was just like, I love going out there and just... Uh, being a king. Being a king, but also just being different sort of epic characters and things like that. Totally. And all of that gets developed in a rehearsal room. So if you're not friends and you don't trust each other, that can look really weird. And totally. especially if someone's not getting it. And that's, you know, you have to be on a similar sort of wavelength and uh, make people sort of believe what you're what you're doing because it's a performance you, it is a performance as well. yeah. yeah and there's like always a degree of vulnerability and i think when you're trying that out for the first time if your friends turn around and laugh at you yeah you're not going to go that far again yeah and then you've actually stunted what could have been excellent because it has to start somewhere yeah um i was listening to janice joplin the other day and she spent like such a part of her childhood just making weird noises mm-hmm. and everybody thought she was quite a weird weird girl you know she had a very troubled life and a very sad life, I think. But she's a big, like, she had a big, big impression on me. Her and Robert Plant. Oh, And I think yeah. they're brother and sister in a weird way because they have a very similar style. The, yeah, the vocal placement's very yeah, similar, yeah. 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 So, but they came around at the same time, so I don't think they would have, would have heard of each other to influence each other. But weirdly, maybe of, of another time, they were Ooh. split because they're so similar. Mm. Um, but how you get to that, and, you know, I'm working on my vocals all the time now. Because I realised that you have to. Yeah. But how you get to those amazing sounds is by making weird noises in a room, on your own, or with other people. And so it can be great, like a load of fun, but if you don't have that trust around you, you, you don't know what you could make, what mm. noises you can make that make people resonate with people. Because that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Being a vocalist, you're trying to connect to all of those people and make them come with you, you know? Yeah. So it is... 
yeah. So coming back to friendship, yeah, you really do need to be be friends in a band. Are you very close with your? Oh hell yeah, with your people. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we share like our deep dark shit for sure. Love those guys. Yeah, they're, honestly, they're, they're like brothers. Total sweethearts. Love yeah, them. I think. Shout out, Flo and Rich. Shout out, <laughs> Flo and Rich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For real, I think there is something really special about being in a band, and it is like, everything I hoped it would be. Um, like, obviously, there were some ups and downs, yeah. um, and you do end up working with people who don't necessarily have your best interests at heart. But then, when you do find those people, it's wonderful, and like yes. there is something wonderful about connecting on stage and the feeling that you share after like doing a crazy show or something like that. It's wonderful. It is. It's it's a weird thing, bands, isn't it? And if you think about. I don't know. I was in a, I was in a van a few years ago going up to Scotland, and I was just thinking like, with Oak it was, and I was just thinking like, if we didn't get on, oh my god, this would just be terrible. And and the weird thing about bands is like, you go all the way up to playing Glasgow or something like that. That's a good six seven hours because mm. you stop off on the way, and you go there and you you set up and you do a sound check, and then you go and sit down, you have some food or whatever, and you go on stage for forty minutes. <laughs> You've gone all the way there for 40 minutes, for 40 minutes really. Mm. You know, so if you've got to be, there's got to, you've got to enjoy the journey, haven't you? Yeah. Not just, not just that, that 40 minutes on stage or whatever. Um, so, yeah. There's stuff around it as well. Yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. But why is it that, that bands fall out so much, do you think? Oh, I think it is the close proximity as well. I think so. Pressure. I, uh, maybe it's pressure. I think people respond to it in different ways. And I think I think it's similar to acting. Like, you've got to be really good at rejection to be a musician. Mm. And I think sometimes people's egos run away. Like, I think that's the thing about music is that, that like, when I was... So when I was a, just a fan, I only really joined... I joined a band quite late compared to most people. And I would always look at bands and be like, whoa, I would love to mm. feel what it's like to be in mm. a band, to have that camaraderie, which is much harder to find as a woman. Um... And, like, I think there was a lot... I'd see it and I would be, like, there was a lot of ego worship. I'd be, like, I'd love to be... Know what it's like for everyone to be looking at you on stage. But it's actually kind of horrible at the same time. In a in a cool... Horrible in, like, a fantastical mm. way. Like, terrible in a wonderful yet... Oh, my God, it's sublime in a horrifying looking into the void way because everyone's looking at you yeah. and people respond to that differently. And I think some people respond to it by like really enjoying that going yeah. into the ego and then yeah. seeing nothing else go. do you like this yeah. one <laughs> that's my favorite do you like this one yeah yeah yeah. and then they're the ones that come to you and go i really enjoyed that man. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's so weird because you don't realize true. you yeah. don't realize that everybody concentrates differently and yes your show is very intense but there's a story in your show because of the, it's very theatrical mm. so people probably are going I'm I'm going along with this, but I'm you know I need yeah, to you, know what's going on. Yeah, you know, and I think it's it it's really really clever how you do that because people do literally kind of you know I, I was drawn in nice. when I seen you play. It's very much like because it says a stillness. What's really weird is there's a stillness with you and you're going mental. Yeah, yeah I like that. And that is yeah. really that that sort of that's there's something about that. You know, you've you've got that, and I think it's hard obviously with lighting because you get the lighting you get, but you guys can play with lighting. A lot more, and if but if you can, I know when you go to a venue, they supply ah, the lighting. But have a look at lighting. That's a really, really good feedback, yeah. actually. Thank you. Know, you. No, because it yeah. could be that there's this crazy lighting going on behind you, and then there's a spotlight with you just Ooh. there, Ooh. and that's what I thought. Now that's the theatrical background for me. Hell, when we're I, doing I, that. That's going I in the notebooks. I always think about choreography. 
Yeah, because, you know, like music is more than just about playing on stage. Right. It is yeah. a performance, yes. well, I agree. We're in the theatrical world, aren't we? Yeah. It's, it very much. The, yeah. the heavy metal end is is very theatrical. I mean, we've got right? costumes. So, yes. You know, we, we've got costumes, so why not go the extra set, yeah. step, set, extra step with a set design as well? Yeah, so, yes, yeah. And, and you can, and you could, you could make a, look at this, we're just making low in the yeah. musical here. Hell yeah! But you could make a story out of it, mm. like an actual story out of it, and you could you could build in. I don't know. Sounds a bit wacky, but it might be somebody comes on and reads a passage. Now the thing is, is weirdly a lot of people once again would go, I had a dream oh, like that. Like that. Yeah. I had a dream. So, that it was a little uh, a little boy, and he was like introducing us on stage. Yes. Like, he wasn't anyone I'd ever seen before. No, he was right. a brand new person, and it was in the future. Yeah. I had a dream that happened. I think you've just found it, haven't you, you really? We need to find no. a small child. Yes. We need to find a small it was, child. Because <laughs> it was a child, right? Because he's like telling this big story, but I didn't know that the story was about us and then yeah. the lights came on and we were on stage. Yeah. It was amazing. That, that actually happened, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it no, really no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yes, you know what I mean? So you can always go that bit further, and, mm. but as long as... Everybody believes it. Yeah. It's amazing what you can get away with. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. Quite a lot of the time, I just have made it up on stage. Really? But made it up, but my eyes believe 100% okay. what I'm doing. Mm. Because people follow, they don't, really weirdly, you can tell a joke with, and not make any sense, but because the punchline has been delivered in a certain way, people laugh. Because mm. you don't really listen to always listen to words, you listen the to energy. sounds and energies and all the other things. It's that come social. With it. Laughter is often social. Mm. It's often a way of people being like, "Yes, I want to be friends. Yes, everything's okay." Yeah. And I think it's the same with delivery and performance because everyone's there to connect with you. They're That's already right. wanting that to yeah. happen, so they're gonna do as much as they can to meet you yeah. where you're at. And That's I think right. That's amazing about yeah. playing shows. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. Um, it's fantastic, and it's you know, the energy and things like that. And and when, I haven't done it very often, but when I've played big shows and there's been, you know, 300 people there, it is unbelievable the energy that comes back from, from a crowd and, and you just kind of go like, you don't think about anything else. You know, you're just there in that moment. And, and I don't know whether you connect to something else. I don't know what it might be, but there's, a, there's an energy that goes on. And one of the things I will say, because I'm rambling, one of the things I will say is when I used to go over to Germany and go to Wacken, when they used to come out and the sound tech would go, you know, when you and, and they'd turn it up and you whatever, that excitement, adrenaline, and bit of fear, yeah, as well. And, and that was so. I was thinking about yeah. uh, the other day was like, fear is such a weird thing because it's a very powerful emotion, and if you can tap into excitement and fear at the same time, nobody goes anywhere. Nice. They literally <laughs> stand there yeah. and get get. And in some cases, like Wacker just shouted that for 45 minutes. Yeah. But you just stood there and you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember seeing Mayhem like, at Wacken years ago. when that 2011? No, this was, this was a long time ago. Like oh. 20, this is 2005. Nice. And they chucked all the cow's heads into the crowd. <laughs> and they blew the cow's heads up on stage. Oh, and my And then chucked God. them in the crowd. And the crowd were ripping them up and stuff like that. Holy and I was, shit. I was in the back because I, I didn't want to be down there. Yeah. I was like, I just don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get covered in, covered in cow's blood. I'm not going to shower for five days anyway. Oh. So I didn't. And I was at the back and I was like, before they came out, there was like this oh. noise, this tension. They went on late. Yeah. The Germans would not have liked that at all. <laughs> but anyway, so they went on late and everyone was 
booing and shouting when they came on because they were late. They whipped us up into this frenzy when they came on. And I was shitting myself. Wow. But I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And they built this thing, this yeah. tension. It must have been 34 degrees that day and it felt like ice. Wow. It felt cold because it was mayhem and it was dark. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a beautiful August day anymore. It was nasty, right? And I don't know, like, there's an element to rock and roll that's nasty. Yeah, there and is. it should be nasty, dirty, sexy, euphoric, positive, sometimes negative even, you know. Mm. But anyway... I went back there for a second. Yeah, you took us there. Wow. There is the performer in you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very bodily. Yeah. Very bodily. Very bodily. It's something really like... Heavy music. Fleshy and... and Organic. Yeah, it's kind of gross, but in like a sexy way, if that makes sense. Uh, yes, and yeah. I think sexy is the right word for rock and roll. I, I know yeah. it's, 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 that sounds a bit maybe cliche, but there's got to be something visceral. Visceral, that's, that's what that's, we're... Yeah, that's yeah. So there's got to be something that is... No, it just connects to your your sex, basically, mm. you know, and that's probably why it's been so successful and recreated itself so many times because it actually connects to something very primal. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I love the primal side of it, you know. There's always the the writing and the turn up on time and I love all that bit, but for that that performance, like, it's got to connect and you can't fake it. Yeah. You've got to connect to it. And it's and it just I don't know pumps through you and then you start seeing people and they're doing the same thing like in the crowd and you're like we're we're like we've gone somewhere we've gone somewhere for thirty minutes or forty five minutes or whatever you get mm. you know? yeah do you get nervous before you go on terrified. stage terrified absolutely <laughs> terrified and people laugh at me and they say like why are you so nervous so I was just like because I don't know what's going to happen yeah I don't know how they're going to react I don't know what I'm going to do mm. like it's it's so real that it's just like. I don't know, and we were saying before, we like when I come off stage, I'm so emotionally drained because I go to that place. I become that character mm. for 45 minutes or whatever. And it's just like, I don't know, I just feel uh, so drained, so emotionally drained. Um, and before I get myself so worked up, fired up for it. I used to play rugby a long oh, time ago when I, was, okay. when, I was, when I was young. I used to play for Cambridgeshire and we used to get so fired up to tears sometimes, like wow. so passionately involved in smashing someone for 80 minutes. I, I brought that over mm. into the music. Like I need to get to that that level of fire. You know? Yeah, and I guess like afterwards, the physical exhaustion, you feel spent. Everything has been uh, tested. And, and even on stage when I'm, when I'm shagged, <laughs> I say to myself, push yourself more. Yeah. Push yourself more for this last song. You know, like, like they deserve it. They, like, I've done a what. That, that comes in there but it is it's just like you've got to keep keep pushing and keep going and try not to blow your voice that's another that thing. is the hard that's the thing that i'm i get very nervous as well um it's so nice to have a singer on as well we've had a few but like it's usually not singers it's, they're harder to find we're all like hold up writing lyrics um yeah. but yeah no i get fucking terrified yeah. before going on stage yeah. and like i won't speak to anyone the whole day yeah. and like part of that is preserving my voice um because my yes. nightmare is not is opening my mouth and nothing coming yes. out. That is yeah, like, yeah. I guess, the worst thing yeah. that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that building that to that point where you 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 come in and you don't nail it. Yeah. And really, it doesn't matter. But to us, it means it's the everything. Worst. Doesn't yeah. it? It means absolutely everything. So, yeah, you don't show your nerves on stage. Uh, yeah. I the can't. You can't. The stillness you... is is fantastic, and it, it's you. very very visual. It's striking, and like I said, with the with the energy that comes from you and in, in the back, there's just this. 
is it juxtaposition? Yeah, is that the right, yeah. That the right term? And uh, yeah, it's um, it is interesting to hear another singer say how nervous they get as well because I think oh. we all do. Yeah. But I think everybody does. You know, like, I've got certain characters I know that are so, like, I'm not nervous. I'm like, yes. You've got to be because you, Because you've answered different. Yeah. You've answered that different. So I know that you're sitting <laughs> in it as well. I know you. I don't get nervous. Yeah, you don't get nervous? Do you not get nervous? I don't get nervous. What the fuck? Well, the secret is, I go for a shit before we go on All oh, right, yeah. in a bucket? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's in a rider. Yeah. Yeah. In the toilet, but sometimes in venues in London, that pretty much is a bucket. Yeah, that is fair, yeah. But... As long as you've had a shit before I go on stage, I think to myself, well, I can't shit myself on stage. Right, okay. So the worst is impossible, so I don't really care. <laughs> Maybe that's where we've been going wrong all Maybe. this time. I'm so nervous, I can't even shit. Really? <laughs> like oh, sometimes it's horrible I'm, just, feeling. I'm just like... But I, it's really weird. I like to get to that phase where my hands are clammy, hmm. my my heart is beating, my, my, my mouth is dry... I've got no time for anyone. Anyone wants to talk to me, I'm just like, just fuck off. You know, that, that happens sometimes. Like, seriously, sometimes, like, someone will say like, something to me like, you know, do we need to put any more tape on? I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just about to die here. Oh you know, God, it's that yeah. insane. And, and the bigger the shows get, if they ever get bigger, but the bigger they get, they the will. more nervous you get yeah. and the more, you know, more things that could go wrong, but... You know what? And then you come off stage, and then people say, "Don't you feel really good?" And then, like, sometimes I do, but most of the time I'm fucked. Oh, bless so, you! So I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's just giving it your all in it, really. So yeah, I try and gaslight myself when I'm that nervous. I'll be like, I'll try and turn it into excitement because it is very similar. They're kind of almost the same thing, but I am fucking shitting myself. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it isn't I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, no, I was gonna yeah. literally just say that's when you live in. Yeah. That's when you know you live in exactly. when you're at that height. Exactly. It's yeah. just I don't know. It, and it's it's really mental. And like when you play somewhere like the dev and you've got to be in the crowd before you go on stage because there's nowhere else to go. And people come up to you and go like, oh, mate, I can't wait to see you up there, whatever. You're just like, just fuck off. Yeah, that's much worse than you playing know? a bigger venue in a way because yeah. in a bigger venue you can hide and that kind of adds to the performance. Whereas when you're there in the audience, mm. you've just got to step up and just go for it. That's Yeah, I think it's a great thing as well that, yeah. you know, you start at those levels because that's when you really, truly learn Totally. Like who you are on stage, your craft, or well, that's the term, I suppose. And you, you learn how to deal with, with you know, issues, uh, problem solving. That's what you used to call it in the acting world. Mm. And, and you have to go through the toilet venues to get there. <laughs> yes. you, can't, you can't just go... I mean, I think there's probably been so many bands that have fallen through because they've been signed too early or something big has happened yeah. and they haven't gone and done the pub and club circuit and all of a sudden they're playing main stage somewhere yeah. and you can tell yeah. you can tell because they haven't got you are supposed to go from playing from 20 people to 60 to 100 to 1000 you're supposed to go through that yeah. how can you be fast tracked to, to suddenly deal with like when you've gone from 30 people yeah. to suddenly deal with the fact that the stage manager's saying you can't go on stage yet and you're like yeah but I need to go no no because the, the health and safety there's someone rigging you're going to not know how to deal with any of that that happens when you start to play bigger venues as all of that stuff happens and you're still used to you know playing like bless them but the dev you know and, yeah. and like you know you, but you have to go through it you have to learn it you have to deal with hecklers you have to learn how to do all of that and uh, and it's one hell of a journey one hell of a ride I think that's the beauty of it the ups and downs yeah our third show was like that it was too big we played the or maybe it was the second show I think it was the second 
we played the Boston Arms with Lucifer, yeah. and yeah. and it was just too much too soon. It was a really good learning process because we did all of that in like one go. <laughs> we did yeah. all the problem solving in one go, and it was the most people probably even now we've ever played to potentially. So the Boston Music Rooms. Yeah, the actual yeah, up below the dome. Below the dome. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was that. So it was I think five hundred people. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like, I've done it up since though. Have they? Yeah, uh, but I remember that venue because it was a bit of a dive, wasn't it? As well, it, it was better than. It's big, yes, of course. I mean, it's a bigger venue, <laughs> and, it, and it's a proper circuit venue as well. We <laughs> had it, we had changing rooms. Yeah, the dev is wonderful. Yeah. We're playing it soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had like our own changing room with like our name on it, and we were like, yeah, this yeah. is this is really yeah. weird. But that's this is my life forever now. Uh, is that, is definitely that what, wasn't. That, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. that's a really good point, and I think that was something I realised at that show was it's not good to for it to happen quickly. No. And I think some people, they start a band and they expect to be in Kerrang! a week later and it, it doesn't work like that. No. And it's good that it doesn't work like that. Absolutely. We'd be embarrassing ourselves at Download like yeah, a month shockingly, later. Shockingly, and it would be a terrible experience and you'd probably quit. Yeah, exactly. Because you'd be embarrassed and you'd be one of those bands that didn't, that just didn't have the experience to be on a stage of that size and, and deal with all those problems. So yeah, it, it's, it's a, what's it called? A rite of passage. It's like yeah. You have to go through that. You have to learn it. You have to be gritty and um, and stick at it when everything's failing. Yes. And that also happens. Yes. Doesn't it? At there some are, stage. There are times where the guitar doesn't make the sound it needs to make or you don't make the sound you're supposed to make. Yes, that's yeah. right. Or um, like once again, someone's got to change their guitar strings or how do you do that? How do you cover that? Well, you cover that by being on stage with each other so many times that you know that that's going on. You cover it. Mm. Uh, someone's drum skin's broken through. Well, you better not, better get on with the other bands because they can they can offer you a, a snare. So yeah, I've been through all of that, and I'm sure we all have. At Our some first stage. show, my guitar strap broke halfway through the first song. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you have to do it with your knee? Like, like that? Did you? Pull? You know what? I'm. This is the thing. I don't get nervous, but I do loads of prep before we go, and so I practiced so much playing my guitar without a strap in the event of that happening, that I was just playing without a strap. I have oh. so much strength in my left forearm, I just hold the guitar yeah, by yeah. the neck and play it like And that. it's a baritone as well, so it's heavy yeah, as fuck. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah. well done, Chef. So that is, that's the key to nerves, is have a shit and have be shit. prepared and yeah, have a strong yeah. left we arm. We solved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to practice on left arm. Should we go to your past? Yes, let's go to the past. I'm going to turn that card over. Okay. Oh, the cave. That looks... Ooh, psychological. Dark. Yes. Is it the long, dark, long journey of the... Long night of the song. Yes. Potentially. I'll read it for you. Mm. A character is prostrate, facing away from the light in the gloomy recesses of a deep cave. This card stands for depression and despair. It symbolizes withdrawal into the self as a result of pain or grief. It can also mean introversion or loneliness and acts as a reminder to the inquirer that the light awaits after a period of healing darkness. Wow. Sounds like my morning. Oh. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Okay, so what is that? Is that so? That was what I used to be like. It, it can be not necessarily how you were, but what you went through, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's probably about. That's probably the most accurate thing. Yeah. Accurate way of describing that. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just growing pains, I suppose. Really, um, had had to go through some pretty, yeah, quite sort of traumatic things. You know, I was thinking the other day. When I was on the beach in Barbados, no. I was thinking I used to live on, in a corridor um, when wow. I lived in um, in Bath and lived in a corridor and then I lived on a sofa in Collier's Wood for a year 
And it's just like, yeah, I was, I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing for a long time. And uh, so, yeah, probably, probably is quite apt that the past was, was quite dark. But that's the point. You have to go through it. And I think everybody does. Yeah. I think everybody goes through a phase, don't they, when they, um, it's normally when they form a band. <laughs> but I, think, I, I think everyone goes through a phase when they, they, they just, you're getting to know yourself. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's heartbreaks, isn't there? And, you know, you're attached to people maybe you shouldn't. Things like that happen. And, and you know, you give your, give your soul to someone and then it all kind of falls through sometimes and then you write some songs about it. And then, you know, I was, I was in London for 10 years. I don't live in London anymore, but I was in London for 10 years and um, the first five years I'd lived in Bath as well and Bristol. And when I came to London... The first five years was was really hard. I had no friends. I didn't know anything about the Black Heart. I didn't even discover the Black Heart until about like the fifth year of being in London. I didn't know about it. It's, it's weird. I, I wonder when it actually opened, because I think it was another pub before. I, yeah. You know, Greenacre is it Greenacre Avenue something like that. I don't know. But yeah, um, and I discovered that because a friend of mine who had also now just suddenly moved to London, who I formed a band with called. Um, Ollie Isaac, who is the bassist in Old Horn Tooth. Oh, is, that, is that the right way no of saying it? Way. Yes. Um, we were in a band okay. called Asian years ago. And uh, now that is weird because I've just remembered something. So we used to play with a band called Hagstone. Ah, yeah. I saw you yes. play the Halloween. Yeah. You were dressed as a lion, right? No, that wasn't me, but I was there. I was there. I don't know who was dressed as a lion. There was a guy dressed as a lion, but yeah. he, it should have been you. It should have been me. Yeah. You look yeah. good as a lion. I would yeah. have done it well. You, yeah. No, but because, um, yes, we used to play with Hagstone and Zinnabank with a sign, and we went up and we recorded at a place called Hellfire Studios in Birmingham. Well, in a village outside of Birmingham yeah. with a really great guy um, called Ajit hellfire that's obviously <laughs> but he um he was so cool and we recorded this album but um it didn't really go anywhere but yeah so then during that time that's when i discovered the black heart and we mm. played there once with a sign with scott masson who's now scott black of greenland oh so he played bass in a sign for a mini tour we did with Ireland. Oh, he's the guitarist of Greenland? And he's the guitarist of Greenland. Uh, no. But he then, at the same time as I was in a sign, we formed Oak, and he was the bassist in Oak. Oh, he was in Oak? For I the first two album, the, uh, EPs. No yeah. way. But he played bass, and Wild. to be fair, if he, if he sees this, he wasn't happy playing bass. Aww. And I think everyone's quite glad that he went on to pick up the guitar again because he used to pick up the guitar in rehearsal and it was like Van Halen. <laughs> oh, and it was bless. like, why are you playing bass? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and he just, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that is quite interesting that the cave. That is up. interesting. The man cave. The man cave. The man cave. Also, like, you know, what's your lyrical process like? Do you find it easy to write lyrics? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, no. And I find it easier to come up with melodies... Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of things going on in my head, uh, so I can probably find a theme. Mm -hmm. So I'd probably go theme. Yeah, so I start melody, with the theme. Then theme. Yeah. But theme can also come from just the guitar tone. Yeah. That day. Yeah. I don't know what it is, or maybe the drum pan makes me think of something. Mm. So I was, I was thinking about some lyrics the other day, and I, I was reading about this stuff called Forced March which was cocaine that they used to give the, the soldiers. soldiers in the trenches. Bolivian marching powder. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. That, so forced march. And I was like, 
um, Thiago was coming up with a drum beat and I was going, that's Force March. No. Oh. So that's a, that's a, uh, that's a, now I'm going to re- research, you know, those poor guys in the trenches and what they had, to, you know, they were given this stuff to perk them up, which was basically cocaine. Yeah. They didn't want to call it cocaine because that would be illegal. So they called it Force March. Wow. But I think the Germans had a different one. But it was all the same thing. It's just all the speed armies and, do it. Yeah, yeah except speed and cocaine and, and probably quite a bit of booze as well. You seem to we we don't. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I've never been in the army, but I should imagine that sort of thing that you can probably get some booze involved. You know, um, Dutch courage or whatever you want to call it. So that's how I go about um, uh, uh, sort of lyrics. They just come to me. <laughs> cocaine. J- 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 well, yeah. <laughs> cocaine booze. Never have I done that. Same. So. Um, no, but also, yeah, things like that. Maybe there's, like, a title somewhere, like like, like that that term, Force March. Mm. Then I, that's how I said, oh, I might see something else, like some, like, two words might sound really good together. Yeah. So you just go, oh, yeah, and then that gives you the theme for everything else. Um, and, you know, when I was in a sign, it was all about Harold Hardrada. Oh, no And we way. did the album called Hardrada. That's so cool. And the album cover is the painting. Oh, the, the Bayou Tapestry. Uh, no, it's not that one. It's the one where Harold has got an arrow. You've probably seen it. Yeah, this yeah, blue yeah, painting. yeah. I think it was painted in the 1600s by an Italian artist, but it was all about that. So nice. I actually had this lyrical content. That's cool. Um, some of it was shocking, <laughs> but, uh, but some of it was good. Yeah. You know, and it was, um, I don't know, you could probably find that on there's there's a couple of songs still online from that stuff but so we were going to do what was what we were going to coin a coin valiant doom oh or historical doom and oh. every album was going to be and i wrote i wrote i wrote three albums Damn. about alexander the great that's, that's epic right? that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. and all these stories and stuff it just never it came to fruition oh. but but the thing is it's like proto sabaton yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. So conceptual albums we were going to do, but yeah. I've moved away from that now. And now they're just they're standalone stories, just songs about whatever whatever comes to me at that time. Mm. So fascinating. Okay, that's the cave. Was, <laughs> that was part. I could have gone much darker. I tell you that. We, I could, yeah. we could have gone really dark there. Oh, you're welcome to. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll leave it. It's in the future, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. That's a good point. Oh shit. Oh shit. Money. Oh. That's nice. Well, of course. Yeah. That's good. All right. Let me read it for you. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, a ploughman guides a horse-drawn plough, cutting furrows in the field on a winter's day. In the foreground lie precious silver coins waiting to be discovered. This card stands for the need for money. It also gives the possibility that we may achieve material wealth, whether it is by our own labours, by good luck, investment, or by inheritance. Okay. Well, it's quite so explanatory, really, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know, weirdly, I don't ever really think about money. I, I I have it. I can I can travel. I can I can go to work. I can I can earn money. All those kind of things. But I don't ever really think about it. It's kind of weird. Like if I um, I don't know. You know when you visualize your future. I do it almost every day. Like at meditation, whatever you want to call it. I I literally lay there and I imagine my future. I never imagine money. I never imagine a big house. I imagine experiences. What do you imagine then? Like what experiences? Uh, it's always banned. Oh. It's always big stages. It's always... Um, I'm like that. Yeah, that's what I think about, really, honestly, <laughs> it really is. So, so uh, 
the idea, sometimes maybe I think about walking on a beach or something like that, but but most of the time it is literally getting to that, get myself really wound up, you know, thinking about going on stage and that's all I, that's that's my visualisation stuff. That's all I do is just think about biggest stages possible, thousands of people, uh, recording, touring, buses, all those kind of things. That's all I, that's all I visualise and I never think about money. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do. You know, some people, yeah. they literally, they visualise money coming to them. It's like people that win the lottery. Some people said they've won it because they imagine themselves with that ticket and they they imagine it so much, this is crazy, that they almost transcend that it comes to them. Mm. So it is, they call it, what is it? The manifestation. Law of manifestation, law of assumption. Yeah. Loads of them. Uh, frequency, changing frequency. So the world is all frequencies and energy, right? And it's like... If you want, say like you want to, to play at the Black Heart and you want that promoter to contact you, yeah. you need to be on the same frequency as them for them to think about you. Okay, yeah. Right? It's true. Now, I don't know, but I tell you what, in the last, probably the last year, a lot of things I've imagined have started to come true. Oh. And I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is. Uh, they would say there's no such thing as a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You imagine a red car and you see a red car. Someone would say that's a coincidence. Well, if you go along, is it Neville Goddard? Have you heard of Neville Goddard? He was a a doctor, I think, in the 50s that was all talked about law of assumption and law of attraction. And he said, you saw that red car because that came to you. And so imagine, think about a ladder. You will see a ladder later that week. So oh. think about what you want to achieve in the next couple of days. Think about it. Imagine it being there. And, you know, you see, you tell me whether that comes. Oh, to... I'm imagining it. Yeah. yeah. Imagine it. <laughs> Imagine it and yeah. just think, you know, feel it. And this is crazy. It's almost like everything you think happens because everything is energy. Mm. So you thought, so you can't, you can't destroy energy. So even your imagination actually has happened. You know when you're walking somewhere and you got to there and you didn't even know you got there because you went somewhere else? That's the other reality you've just gone into. Now, this is wacky. I don't know much about it. String theory. String theory, yes. String theory. That's right, string theory. And and they, you can't say that there's not something in that because they spend millions a year in America trying to understand uh, quantum physics. Yeah. That we're all... We're all one organism. We're just split into what is it, seven billion? A people. quantum theory of consciousness. Yes, those kind that. of things. Yeah. This table mm. is energy. All those kind of things. And, and the double slit test. That sounds like Have something you else. That? No, it's, <laughs> that's what it's called. It's yeah. um, atoms uh, behave differently when observed. Light. Uh, light that's light. Uh, but um, light is light is a wave. Whereas uh, you're you're talking about um, yeah, uh, like when in quantum, it's not atoms. It's subatomic. Particles behave. Particles, yes. Particles, yes. but so, not atoms. That that's what is look, contained within and around. What is the difference? So, um, an atom is a kind of particle. An yeah. atom is the the smallest. Um, you so say you, you have the periodic table. Yeah. So all those elements are individual atoms, and then if you have a molecule, that's lots of different kinds of. Um, elementary atoms put together Mm. so your teeth are made of calcium carbonate which is a molecule 
but then calcium is an element and if you put that in its constituent part it's an atom and then within the atom um, around it you have electrons which are um, contained in rings and circles which are shaped in different ways depending on the manner in which those atoms are interacting with other things so if you heat something up um, it moves more quickly yeah, so they bump yeah, into each yeah, other yeah, yeah. and then other stuff happens like water boiling so stuff like that but yeah um, and then you have like even smaller particles that well, um, particles that are subatomic. So you have quarks, up quarks, down quarks, oh um, gluons, neons. They call it the the particle. Did you know about this? No. Look at this. Mate, We've opened so up. Smart. A, we, that's exactly what I was going to say. We have just opened up a whole can of whoopers here, and we didn't even know about it. What's up quark? So they, What's they, they... quark? <laughs> He's in Star Trek. Anyway, that's what they call it the subatomic yes. zoo because yeah. basically. <laughs> zoo. <laughs> that's my new jam. Yeah. Have you had any subatomic zoos <laughs> today? The subatomic zoo. Oh. My God. Okay. No, it's, it's a okay. zoo because yeah. right. there's, yeah. so there's so many. There's so many of these subatomic. Of yeah, exactly. Okay, right. And oh, those, those yeah. are the ones that behave differently when observed. Right, okay. Right. It's those, not atoms yeah. necessarily. It's subatomic and, sure. and okay. like. Yeah, sorry. So, no, 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 yeah. that's just really interesting. Yeah. So, here's a question. Do you believe that if you imagine something, it, it's going to come true? I think, okay, so I don't necessarily not believe it, but I do think that, that you're more likely to notice that it comes true. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, like, the mind is extremely powerful mm-hmm. and that the it's like the affirmations you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. I think if you, you can change the manner in which you perceive the universe and the framework with yes. which you navigate it. So I think that... If you believe that, you are going to feel that much more powerfully, and you're gonna you're gonna experience that as your reality. And I think that's totally valid. Yes. So um, yeah. So it's said to do with your subconscious mind, subconscious programming. I think the way you think affects your subconscious, mm-hmm. and I think that makes that is ironically. I think humans are much more subconscious than conscious. Mm-hmm. So I think we don't realize how much impacts the way we feel and think and i think a lot of sort of what we consider mysticism is um knocking down those barriers between the subconscious and the conscious which is why oftentimes when people do lots of meditation and things like that they believe they have extra sensory that you you feel stuff that's beyond the normal sense so you feel um extremely impacted by light or color or visual so you often do feel high if you do stuff like that or you have sensations that you're not necessarily receiving from your immediate environs and like that feels beyond what is your perception yeah so to speak yeah well, it's very interesting, all of that stuff. And, yeah. and I, I do believe that, you know, I don't know, there's, there's, there's ways of looking at it, but I think... There's stuff certain, out there. Certain things that you... Because we're all energy. Yeah. I think if your subconscious mind, like, I don't know, like you go into, into a room, people feel you. Yeah, yeah. And that you've said nothing. And you've just, but you've said everything. Yeah, people f- are so responsive to that energy. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that's why I think you know we are so much more than clothes. And uh, I'm going to get really deep now, but I don't care. <laughs> We're so much more than clothes and politics and um, advertising and corporation. Like, Capitalism. It's not, it, that's there's nothing there. That's all just that's all just there, right? Hmm. And I just think that it, we could go so much further. And I think we will. And I think that there is probably more spiritual, more of a spiritual element that is following what's gone on in the last few years. I think we're going to enter another 
spiritual age. Nice. Because uh, I think a lot more people are starting to pick up on the quantum side of things and the, the energy and and they they are literally spending maybe even billions in America right now trying to understand quantum mm. um, quantum theory and and so if they don't believe it they wouldn't be spending that much money <laughs> if they didn't understand what what is there, there's that something they're trying evidence. to get something they're trying to figure out and they'll prove it one day I think. There you go. I've been listening to like like every single episode of a science podcast. I know loads about quantum theory right now. But the the thing with um, recently, they made a really big breakthrough in America actually with quantum computing mm. because um, the thing that quantum computing allows is extreme speed, like way more. Like you know how like in the eighties you had the big telephone. That's what it's going to be like for computers. Like right now, we're on the big telephones and the mm. suitcases. Like mm. when, if and when quantum computing goes through, it will have massive implications. Like computers will, will be able to do calculations that would have taken them 40 years previously. Mm. And like the way to achieve this is basically you create a frictionless environment for the energy to go through a circuit through to do the computer shit. And they did that without having to do it at absolute zero, which is like where everything just time stops because it's so fucking cold. Mm. Um, so if the, if they can actually, it will take probably about 20 years, but in 20 years' time, there's going to be fucking crazy technology out there. Mm. But I, that's what I worry about with, with the quantum applications yeah. is that, and this is my personal politics coming through, is that it being used for capital. Well, uh, uh, it will be used for military first. Oh, hell yeah. But can then, you imagine I, quantum there, warfare? I have, I have, yeah. <laughs> I have one thing to, to say, though, about it is... Yeah. I... I there is one thing that when when technology goes so far, who's gonna who's gonna actually uh, man that? Because mm. so many people can't. Yeah. So I think I, I, I say I sometimes think what happens is um, we've gone a little bit too far for us at the minute. I still think we're developing ourselves, and I just think that technology at the minute is probably a little bit too smart for us generally. Because across the board. Like, where I work, something breaks, no one knows what to do. <laughs> and we have to get someone to come in, slows everything down. Yeah. Then they don't know what to do. So then they have to get a, a company from Italy, say, because that's oh. where we deal with. Then th- then that's all done through the phone. And then there's a bit of a language barrier and there's a cultural barrier. Like, like sometimes we have to do something and, and it can take absolutely ages to do something. And in the end, they get rid of the machine. And oh, then buy something else. No way. And that happens a lot in in manufacturing. That's what I work in. Oh no way. Because it's actually cheaper to just go and and that's uh, why I think technology might have reached where we are now. Yeah. With there because we're still at a bit of a clunky phase. That's fascinating. With lots of people don't know Capitalism how to. Lots of people don't know how to um, to deal with it deal, on the ground. Yeah, because it's you know it's the brain is too far. The, the actual brain of the systems, the computers that we have, is way too advanced for someone of me to just be able to go into it because there's a there's a barrier because there's there's passwords and da 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 da, da because that that's their sections at headquarters. Anyway, back to this. Yes, money. When I visualise, I don't ever think about money because <laughs> I think about what we've just been talking about. I think about. You things, think about things coming to me. Money's mm, a byproduct. Yeah. Of something like that. You need money to get those things in the first place. It's a tool in which yeah. to achieve what you want. Yeah. Uh, which is good because which, you're not getting bogged down in, no, I, in I the don't middle bit. Ever think about it. It's really bizarre. And you know, I've never really had much money, but I'd say I've had a, I'd say I have a rich life. Mm. Like 
one of the things that I, I do a lot of cooking and I do a lot of cooking in the garden. Oh, it's so nice. And I, I use like Dutch ovens and things like that. I absolutely love it. What do you make? Wait, 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 a Dutch oven is a real thing. It's not just, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, bless it's, your it's soul. Not, it's not just a fart. Um, no, okay, let's, let's, because I don't want to say it anymore, because I think, I'm going to say camping oven. Oh. And it's a cast iron. Oh, pot, yes. And basically, I just oh, cook a lot one. of. I cook a lot of chilies. We've got that oven, babe. I know. I cook a lot of of, uh, chilies and uh, and stews and things like that in the garden. And I I just feel that that is... I've got a lovely dog and a lovely partner. So I'm I'm rich. Yeah. Uh, I'm rich in that sense. And it's really weird when somebody talks like that, it sounds a bit bit naff in a way, but it's not. It's like 100%. I live out in the country and I've got like a... A fire pit, and I go out there all year, all year round, not just in the oh, summer. Oh, so nice! And sit by the fire oh, and make yeah. food, that and sometimes just even like cook st- steak straight on the coals, oh, and then dust them off, yeah. and things like that, because you get a nice charred oh. taste to it. And I sit there and I think to myself, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, yeah. and that's why I don't think about money. Mm. Um, now, interestingly, we've had that. I wasn't there in the past, so whatever happened in the last few years. I obviously transcended. A, 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 maybe it was a thought process. Yeah. Maybe maybe I was. I, I saw the dark and everything, and now it's kind of like I don't know. It's a lot. A lot. I, I love the winter. I love the summer. It doesn't. That it's all important. It's all relevant. Yeah. I, this time of year, we've got loads of birds like coming into the garden now, and the um, oh, the like robins are out. Yeah, yeah we have loads starlings. of blue tits and and yes, and and we've got like a bird box that I got from a garden centre. Rock and roll. Mate, and, I love uh, bird yeah, watching. Yeah, anyway. I'm not gonna lie, I love birds. Yeah, and and anyway, and like you see them all like getting getting ready for for to to give birth, and and yes. and we, the, last year we watched this this blue tip family, and the the male blue tip was trying to find a home, and we had a bird box, but the hole was, was the too small. Kind. Oh yeah. So he was literally carving down with his oh. with his beak. To, and she kept coming around to check it. Yeah. Check and then couldn't get in and then she'd go away, so probably tell him oh, fuck off. Aww. So then he'd go back. <laughs> to try and do that. How similar is that? But anyway, he'd go back and he'd try he try and get it done and then she finally came in and then and then we had fledglings. Oh and one of them didn't well, one of them we thought we didn't make it. And so it was it, it fell onto the floor. And we, you can, if you act immediately, get that back up into the. But you're not really supposed to because that's that's the, the it's circle nature. of life, yeah. And that's the way it is. But fuck but the yeah. circle of life sometimes. But these things, mm. these things, like they're all happening right now. There's no money there. It's there. So for me, I don't ever think about it. It's nice to have it. It's nice to go and have a beer. It's <laughs> nice to be able to to afford, uh, you know, steak and all those kind of things. But mm. when I Think about the future. I, I very, I very rarely think about houses and cars, and mm. and I love all those things, but I don't really think about them that often. So, I think they come with a lot of extra baggage. Well, was it Jim Carrey said he wants everyone to be a millionaire to understand that it is not what it thinks. I heard someone say once, if you become a millionaire, multiply your bad habits by a million. Oh, damn! That's a lot of Magic the Gathering cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think aliens are just humans that are time traveling from the future oh back God. to the past? This has become the Joe Rogan show. 
Well, the thing is, right, I've got, I've got one thing to say about aliens, right? <laughs> okay. How would you know what an alien is? Do yeah. we actually have the mind, the eyes to actually see an alien? Is an alien sat with me there? Isn't we're, we're we're thinking about it in, in a physical dimensional we're still, sense? We're still thinking about the fifties when they did all the they're just a person, 51. yeah, a person who's green, yeah, with long fingers. Is it long fingers or something like that? That's what we're still we're still thinking about that. And I do believe there probably are organisms out there yeah, that same. are very similar to us. Mm. But um, in answer to your question, no, <laughs> <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think so, honey. I think if there was if there was time travel, it would be so fucking obvious. There'd be tourists and shit right now. Like, I don't know. That's yeah, the thing. I don't know. Time travel is a really that. strange one as well. I saw some stuff about time travel. You seen that one with the mobile phone? Yeah, but it's like, like it's that? not a mobile. What is that? Like, oh, I read about that. So basically, what? yeah. So there's basically a picture. Is it a film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is she an extra in a film? No, no, no. So basically, um, it's like the, it's um, in the 1920s, right? It's that one. Yeah. So um, someone someone came out and was like, "That's my great grandfather or grandfather," and they basically had the prototype of a telephone, of like yeah. a mobile phone, like a flip phone, flip phone, flip phone. <laughs> Flip flown. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like a prototype. So it was it was real, but yeah. it was just like that was the only one. Ah. Yeah, I think something like that. But maybe it's bullshit and then he's a time traveller. But I doubt a time traveller is going to get their Motorola out because like we don't even use those now. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'd know about it, yeah. I think the, one of the best conspiracy documentaries I ever saw was Paul McCartney is Dead. I love them. I like the Avril Lavigne's dead one as yeah. well. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. the Paul McCartney one. Somebody called Paul McCartney died compelling. in Liverpool in 1966 in a car accident. Okay, well, there's loads of people uh, called Paul McCartney. Yes, surely. I'm sure there is. But yeah. it was, they just, this whole documentary just went on about it, and they were saying about his ears have changed <laughs> and all this kind of stuff because your ears never it's, change, do they? Well, if you have the a facelift, they change. Uh, Yes, yeah, they do. But anyway, I thought it was a fascinating, <laughs> I thought it was a fascinating uh, documentary. Uh, well, it was actually shocking, but it was it was a good I one. I love stuff it was, like that. It was like, kind of like what? It was kind of like does like, a bit That's like in 1966. <laughs> the Beatles were pretty big, I suppose, yeah. if you think about yeah. it. So they're a massive cash cow. Yeah. So because they they gave up touring in '67, didn't they? Because there was oh, wow. no point. There was Paul, no point. Paul died. Well, yeah, they were saying it's because the crowd was too loud. Yeah, and they couldn't they couldn't perform anymore. Yeah, I think they're an interesting band, the Beatles, because I don't know. They, if you listen to Rubber Soul, every single song is a hit. Mm. Every single song is a single. They are so good, and it's like how and they do, you do that in do twelve that? hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you you kind of look at it and you go, okay. Um, but I remember listening to John Lennon, who's fascinating in interviews. Um, not quite sure whether he was the nicest bloke. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> no. said that about him. But he was saying it got to a stage where people were bringing, like, their disabled children backstage because they oh, thought fuck. we could heal them. That's weird, man. And he said, how, do, how, how do you think we were going to deal with that? We were yeah. 16, 17. We went over to Hamburg... We we cut the dust what and like we cut the dust whatever that means. <laughs> I'm going to cut some dust in 1967. March. Yeah, forced march. <laughs> march. Probably lots of forced march at that time. <laughs> and then came back and then were superstars from the age of 16, 17, or whatever That's it wild. may be, and to the point where you imagine your life, your reality. I think it's the same with Metallica. 
Mm. You know, I think if you, you know, I think they were what sixteen yeah. when they started when they wrote those albums on Kill 'Em All, um, mm. songs on Kill 'Em All. When Dave and, Mustaine wrote Kill 'Em All. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe been fourteen. I don't know, but but then you're you're signed to a label, and that is the rest of your life, and. You know, you go on stage and there's thousands of people. There's a clip of Cliff Burton. Where was that? I think it was in 1984 or 85. Monsters of Rock? Uh, it's in America. Okay. And it's, it says just a, part, just a party for a few friends. It's him doing a bass solo before For Whom the Bell Tolls. And then the camera swings back and they filled this American football stadium in 1985. And there must be about 100,000 people. That's mad. You know, and you're thinking they were probably, what, 20, 22 you know, I mean, I'm 21, so <laughs> and I can't handle it. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, that's a bit mental. That That'll do things to your psyche, for sure. It will, and I'm not quite sure whether it's all been very positive, mm. you know. So money in itself maybe isn't the greatest thing. Get a Dutch oven and, uh, and go and cook some beef in the garden and see, yeah. what, see what that does for you. Yeah. What kind of dog yeah. do you have? I have a shih tzu. <gasps> we oh. have a shih tzu. Little Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you want to do two bonus cards? Uh, yes, please. Oh. I've All quite right. enjoyed this. Oh, I'm glad. This is good. I know it would. I was, I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, I've, I have had my cards read before, like, really? years ago. Really? Was that just traditional tarot? Oh, was it in that, um, the, the shop? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, the lady that did it, she, she said to me, because I did, I did an acting degree, but it took me four years because I'm so stupid. No. And um, and she said like, you've done, you you've done an acting degree, but it took you four years. I was like, That's and she did not, no, actually, sorry, it was palm. She did my palm. No. I have had my palm stuff. She did my palm. What's the acting about, line on your palm? No idea. I, I <laughs> was like the four degree she, acting. Yeah, and I was, yeah. I looked at it, and 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 I walked away from there, and I was like, how did you know that? I said, how did you know that? And she just went, I just know. Uh, and, uh, and I was like, well, what else do you know? Did you just walk in and get it done, or do you have to book? Uh, I paid £10. It was just like... Wow. Yeah, just went in just did it. Oh, it was years ago. That was when I first moved here. That was probably 2012. Maybe even earlier than that. So, yeah. Bonus card. One here, one here. Parallel. Uh, yeah, why not? It doesn't really... Oh, you flipped it already. Oh, don't oh. worry about it. It's okay. It's good. Just keep the next it's one good. covered up. Keep the next one covered up. We'll yeah. do this as the as the first one. So next one gets covered up. Yeah, I did lay them down. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so. It's okay. It's fine. So this is your what your this is your motivating force. This is what drives you, and this is what you're driving towards. This is your goal. The beast. The beast. Ooh. The beast. This kind of this is interesting. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes. It's pretty fucking mel. Picture is. I love the picture. Yeah. All right. Number 33, the number of the beast. A dragon bars the path, fearful and malevolent. The characteristics of the dragon represent the challenge of facing up to evil. It stands for confrontation with the powerful dark forces of our unconscious mind. Also for the bad temper and spiteful side of our natures or that of others. (laughs) It sounds like... To me, this isn't, it's not necessarily about the beast itself. It's about facing the beast. Mm. It's about overcoming, like, the forces of evil, as it says yeah. in this, which sounds like it's something you're, you've done and are doing. Definitely doing, because I think you carry on your whole life to do it. You can't but, start. So, feeling. yeah, there's, um, so, yeah, it would say, did it say about temper? Yeah, yeah, the bad temper and spiteful side of our natures or that of others. 
Yeah, so basically what I am trying to do is channel the anger mm. that, that is in, in me. We all have it, but I, I'm trying to channel it for something positive. Yeah. Because there's a lot of anger in there. But I think that's probably to do to do with an energy that needs to get... That's why I sing. Mm. That's why I go on and do the, like the performance is so full on because it's just that energy is just there. So that, that potentially what it is. And it's it's probably inadequacy as well. It's probably like uh, in certain aspects not feeling whole really? sometimes and, and wanting to sort of like, you know, we all have this uh, things that we know that we don't do well and wanting to get better at those things. Yeah. So it could be that. And I'm very aware of it every single day, you know, so singing lessons or gym is 100% all the time, wanting to be the best. But then there's also lots of like some journaling that goes on and saying how I didn't deal well with certain things and how I could have done that a bit better, you know. And you should you should do that your whole life because you, you'll get it wrong your whole yeah. life. But, you know, it is about the journey, as we said, so... I think that's what that's about. That's interesting. So I guess that's about, it's more about overcoming what's on your path than mm. that being you in itself. Mm. And like, as we were saying, you know, the music is very like visceral, earthly, beastly in a way. Mm. But it's it's awesome. It's really nice to talk to someone who is like going to music lessons because I, I do the same thing. I think it's really important to like yeah. always be working on your instrument because mm. like with vocals, if you, the moment you stop, it starts reversing. Yeah. It stops yeah. going time traveling, but yeah. backwards. I, I learned some serious lessons in the last uh, few months about hydration. Yeah, it's crazy um, how quickly you dehydrate. So, for instance, like I now do spinning. You know, spinning. Oh, classes. the cycling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you sweat. Mm-hmm. It's disgraceful yeah. in there. It's shocking. Don't it's go like, to a music it, lesson after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and you have to take on so much water. And I and I didn't take on enough water. And then I didn't take my water with me to the singing lesson. Oh, no. And I got sent away. No, you got sent away. They said, listen, you know, you can't come in here. But unhydrated, you know, dehydrated. It wasn't harsh or anything. They just said, look, we can't, we can't do... Because I work quite long the head voice now because it's oh, and there's a lot of high, and we yeah. can't do it. And I and I didn't understand. And then I started thinking even more about how much water is important in everything we do. It is the source of life, isn't it? And it takes hours to it, rehydrate your vocal cords. That's it. As well. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh my god. And and I and I understand rest and water mm-hmm. and how important sleep is. Because sleep is how you recharge yourself. Now, we've all heard that before, but that, that's words. It really does matter that you get eight hours sleep. Mm. It really does. Some people say six. I say eight. Eight hours of pure sleep, you can overcome so much. And I guarantee that hardly any of us do that. I, I, don't, I don't get eight hours sleep a night. And I'm trying. I come up with different rituals, try not to drink too much booze so that I can sleep, <laughs> you know, try to eat the right times. Because yeah. all of this stuff, and it probably is to do with this, is about developing the best version of me. Mm-hmm. But to do that, I need to lose some weight, need to be fitter, need to look after my voice better. And then there's other things like, you know, being more assertive in certain situations and, you know, um, communicating better sometimes, all of those things. And, yeah, it, it's fantastic. It, you get one shot at this version of you and you might as well go all out. Yeah, just go crazy. You know. But don't be a beast. You've got to set the boundaries with the beast, I guess. Mm. Yes, that's another way, another thing is how, you know, if you do become what you want to be, mm. what are you then? 
Yeah. And, and how, how do you treat the people around? Have you still got time for your family? Exactly. Have you still got time for your mum? You know, have you still got time for just someone in the street? You know, because I think that's another thing. I think the time we spoke before this about how time becomes more precious yeah. as you get older because you have more in your life. But segment, like cut it up, cut your day up. Do you have time, you know, to spend with Dennis, the doc, or, you know, <laughs> with your partner or, you know, make it's all about organisation. It's all about preparation as well. I have this crazy, like, diet now. Well, it's not crazy. It's the way it should be. It's like very rarely eat rubbish now. And it's like, I'll have a breast of chicken, broccoli, carrots every single day. And then I'll come home and then there's more vegetables and fruit and whatever. Amazing. And my partner's great. We do it together. But it's like, it literally, you cannot, maybe 16-hour days I do because I do the, the work and then the training and the singing. And I walk a lot as well. So I walk 45 minutes to work and then work and come back, walk 45 minutes over the, over the fields, which is lovely. So wow. you get to see things like that, especially this time of year as spring starts to come in. But if you get all that right, you need to have those good calories that, yeah. in your diet. Otherwise, you won't do it because yeah. you'll start. And sometimes I still crash with it because I'm still a little bit portly. <laughs> but sometimes like, I'll still go, I want a burger. Yeah, and yeah. I go and have it or I'll have a chocolate bar. But now I'm not having it because I desire it. I'm having it because I need the sugar. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have the right sugars. Yeah. And singing, all of that is connected to your vocals. And, you know, show me a singer isn't fit. Yeah. They are all seriously fit. You have to have a good core. Yeah. And they're not yeah. drinking after shows because that dehydrates you. They're not eating crisps and pastries because that dries your throat out. I don't have any dairy on the day of a show either. There you go. In fact, I've yeah. moved away from it totally because mm. dairy, weirdly enough, gives me heartburn. Oh. And what's really bizarre is a lot of these things that I used to have a lot of have started to give me ailments like heartburn and maybe like skin skin problems. Yeah. And it's almost like somebody is guiding me going, you're going to have some of that, we're going to make you uncomfortable. So it's moved me away from it. I very rarely have bread now. Oh. And I can't have white bread. White bread is evil. Heartburn. Yeah. But it's moved, it's now moving to brown bread no so I think because they've they split the protein so many times on it's bread, processed it, basically you, know, yeah. you just can't have I know I used to love bread I but love I, I bread can, I can't really have it as much anymore I still do and I still get caught out and that's fine mm. so on the Sunday we'll cook five chicken breasts we'll cook all the broccoli all the carrots and the potatoes potatoes no, I want to do this man I've been saying yeah, to myself try, try, no try it because try it, it's changed my life potatoes they are the source of energy because Nature's I bread. don't have I don't have bread, mm. so I need carbs. Now you can get carbs from broccoli and as well, but and beans if, and beans as well. Yeah. We do we do beans as well, yeah. and so punnets, 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 all in the in the fridge. It's so annoying sometimes trying to get the punnets out and all this rubbish because it's just like God, like why is this? But I'm telling you now, if you eat clean for a month. Mm-hmm you'll see some differences. I, I literally started doing that because I fell off the wagon in December, like, very badly. Um, and I went, I got, like, um, this machine and it does a body composition. I just got the shock of my life. Like, I'm, I have, like, 30, for the highest body fat I've ever had in my life. So the point where they're like, yeah, you're now obese. And I was like, I'm not fucking obese. Oh, yeah. I've never been obese. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, I don't necessarily look it, I hope. Um, but, yeah, now I'm just like, I have to eat clean. I have yeah. to just stop eating cream eggs because that's really the problem is cream well, eggs. it's really bizarre because there's so much, there's so much online about diets and lifestyle and things like that. Mm. 
I think it's common sense. It is. You, th- you know think, really deep down what you should you be. You know when you when you go like to the, when when I leave here, I'm going I'm going to go uh, do some some demo tracks, right? And I want to get some some food. I'll be caught out, and I'll probably have something crap. I'll feel bad. We're going to order some food for you if you want. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get you some healthy Japanese okay. food. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. something like that. So yeah. you know, because the thing is, is it's the guilt. Yeah. But that's good. Have the guilt in your life and then you won't want to feel guilty anymore and then you won't do it. A thing I say um, is like a lot of people, especially in the West because of Catholicism, have a problem with shame. Mm. And I think shame isn't such a bad thing. It's how you respond to yes, shame. Yes, exactly. Use that. Yeah. Use that. Go, I don't want to feel grotty today. Exactly. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna do that. Energy drinks. Oh, oh I can't drink God. them. It's just like... Unable. It's... It, they used to say down in... Um, uh, that the bank, the banks, and all that used to be addicted to cocaine. They're now addicted to Red Bull. Really? Because it just, it's just it's such a thing. powerful uh, taurine. Is it taurine? Yeah. Taurine yeah. just goes bang, and you just and and you can get things done. And that's true. But I'm telling you now, anxiety. It is bad for you. Now, anxiety is a funny one as well yeah. because I think anxiety is very important. It's your fight or flight response to things, mm. and. I suffered with anxiety for many, many years until I realised how important it was. It's important to have anxiety. It's, it's a response system to something. But what you have to do is you have to understand that if you have what is known now as a generalised anxiety disorder, you're constantly in fear and you yeah. need to understand what are you talking about in your mind constantly to give you, to make you on tender hooks. I was so ill... For about four years, about four years, I was anxiety, and I worked. I, I managed to convince my boss that I could work from home. And nice. I, used to, I used to work in a call center. I used to work from home, and I used to get up every morning. And my partner at the time, she'd go to work, and I used to get up and shut the curtains. Oh. I didn't even know I was doing this, and she'd come back, and it'd be the summer. And she'd be at six o'clock, and I'd still be on the head, like working on the, on the call center. I'd say, why have you shut the curtains? I said, I didn't. I said, you did, because I opened them up. Why are you shutting the curtains? And I used to tiptoe around the house so no one would hear me, you know. And I was about twenty stone. Oh. I piled on the weight. I, I was just eat, constantly eating sugar, constantly drinking beer, and I could put it away. I mean, maybe ten cans of. Jojiviek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to drink that like a fish. I can't even touch it now, right? Jojiviek, a really strong Polish beer. I used to drink 10 cans of that a night, right? And I'd have an extra large Domino's stuffed crust pizza. Ooh. uh, Every single... (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Every every single day. And I was just... I was absolutely broken. Oh, my like, goodness. I was, like, shaking. I was, like, um, did she, uh, my, my partner at the time, she'd take me out for dinner somewhere. We'd obviously go somewhere where we'd have to get a load of food. And, <laughs> and, and we'd sit around. We used to go to a place called Pizza East yeah, yeah. in, in, um, in Shoreditch. We get, you get into the pizza theme here, aren't you? And we'd sit around the table and there'd be, like, ten of us. And there'd be this wonderful social experience, a, a social <laughs> evening. And I'd be like, I couldn't hear a bloody word anybody was saying because there was this <laughs> going around. And it's, it's really bad because, like, my partner's like, you need to kind of talk to people a bit because you're coming across a bit weird. Mm. 
and I was, and I was abrupt and things like that. It was destroying my life. That is the cave. If you wanted to go there, we did. Yeah. yeah. And it was destroying my life. And really, it stemmed back to a massive panic attack that I had at a meeting. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Oh, my God. And my legs went... I felt like my body was filling up with water. It was the weirdest feeling. It came from my toes, Ooh. went all up from my ankles. It, internally, it wasn't like it was around yeah. me. Internally, Ooh. filling up, filling up, filling up. It was hot. It was hot. It was coming, and it came up to my head, and it went... Whoosh. And oh. then, then, then the room was going like this. No. Right? Seriously. And I was sat there, and I was like... Oh. Grabbing onto the chair, somehow sat through that meeting, and I said to the, my supervisor, "I said I've got, I've got to go," and he was like, "You look, you look fucked." <laughs> I said, "I've got to go." Went to St. Bartholomew's Hospital, which is in Farringdon, mm. and they said, "We don't." I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm going to die." I went to, to the reception. I said, "I'm going to, I'm going to fucking die." Oh my god! And they were just like, "We can't, we can't accept. You need to, go, you need to go to A and E." And where's A and E? Where's? And they said, "You need to go to Houston." So oh, I, they god. couldn't even take me in because I think it's a, uh, it's an. Ah, I've been to that. Is, uh, I've um, been to the Houston one. Yeah, they can't yeah. just take you in. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. So they said, look, you can ring 999 and we'll, we'll get you sorted, but we can't just accept you like yeah, that because yeah, we don't yeah. know who you are and all this kind of stuff. Like, And you're still standing there, mate. <laughs> so I don't know. Got to King's Cross, managed to get on a train. So I wasn't dying. And I managed to get on a train, got to King's Cross, and then I grabbed the nearest assistant and I said, I'm going to die. <laughs> and he said... Come with me. Laid me, got me in a wheelchair, wheeled me through Kings Cross Station, and I sat in the back in uh, Kings Cross Station in like a in room where they you don't realise, but they have all these like the back rooms in Kings Cross where things like this happen. They get taken ill. They take oh. you behind, you know. And I was uh, sat there in this wheelchair, and the ambulance came, and the guy just said, "You've had a massive panic attack." Oh. And then I saw the world differently for four years. And I went, have you ever heard of depersonalization? Yeah. I had depersonalization. You disassociate? Yes, I was disassociated. Yeah. I think I think it's called disassociation in the UK, but I think it's called depersonalization oh. in the in America. The, you, you go to the, go yeah. to a go to a doctor and say you've got depersonalization, they'll go, What are you talking about? Okay. They'll say it's called disassociation in, in so it's disassociation. Derealization is where you've, I learned all about it. And that was my way out of it, actually, was learning about it. Is where you don't feel that your, your hand... It's real. ...is there. Yeah. You don't feel you're there. Mm. So I tripped into... You know when you're coming out of being stoned? I was like, the world... I saw the world like, like everything was like a film. Mm. So there was no clarity. Like, and I was there for four years. I was just stuck in this tunnel... And I used to tell people about it, and, and I went and saw this lovely lady called Lisa. Um, she was um, a nurse in Hackney. And we used to talk about it, and I'd, I went there for a series of, uh, like, ten weeks, and she actually said, I've got, I've got to phase you out. I, there's not really anything wrong with you. But she said that we did all this C, CBT. C, yeah, 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 uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did all of that. And really, like, I think the major problem is, is I... When I put my mind at something, I'll work at it. And I worked at that for, like, a good year. But a lot of people, they go through the CBT and then when they're finished, they, 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 they go, stop. well, i finished. No, yeah. it's your whole life. Mm. You need to understand that this is how powerful the mind is. The mind had tricked me to believe that I was living in a 
in a dream world, and I, I, I thought I was cursed. I actually thought I was cursed, and I and I sought out um, some people online that was that were. I don't suppose they might have even been mediums, and I was talking to them about like what was going on, and and they said like, "Has there been a death in the family?" I said, "There's been a few," and they were like, "Okay," and you know things like that, and 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 all the rest of it. But yeah, I thought I was cursed, and um, it was so crazy, and it actually took a breakup for me to get out of it because I then I was stripped of everything. Mm, you hit rock bottom. And I hit rock bottom and I just went, one day I could see again. Mm. It was the weirdest thing. And it was I, I, something online where someone said, you will get out of this. You just have to fly away. Fly, you need to fly to another part of your brain. Oh. And that sentence, I just went, I can see everyone again. Just with one sentence. Because mm. I suddenly went, because he said, the problem you're having is I was fighting it. Yeah. I was going like, I must be better tomorrow. I must be better tomorrow. And I tried everything. I had my eyes tested. I uh, I tried the, the fitness thing. I, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it was still there. And uh, I had to completely change my life. I had to completely change my life. Otherwise, I'd still be there to this day. It's a very, very, very dangerous place to be. It, it's a, well, a post traumatic stress. It's a, it's a, a milder version of that. And that gives you an idea what some people go through. Um, like, so a lot of my family have been police and NHS, and like paramedics and things like that, and they have... They've seen things. They, they have stuff they can't shake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of my family are actually, in, to potentially can be seen, can, can be quite cold. And I've known a few a few firefighters as well. And their way of dealing with things is that, that they, they, they disassociate. Yeah. They actually train them to disassociate. So you become flesh, flesh and, and, and blood. Mm. Um, but it can make someone quite inhuman. Yeah. Um, so shout out to those people that do those jobs because they give their mental health over. They give it over yeah. to save us, you know. But anyway, so, yeah, I, so I, I went through that for, you know, and this is certainly not... Um, a victim thing. I don't want anyone to sort of think that I'm, I'm trying to say this to sort of feel for me because I'm not. It's, like it, it's really important that I went through that phase because I actually lived my life like I was going to die in the sense that I just went, I'm going to form a band then. Mm. And that's when we formed a sign with Ollie. And I was, I was, you know, if you ever speak to Ollie, you know, I was pretty ill during that time. And uh, I don't know, have you ever seen um, With No and I? Yeah. yeah, it's one of my faves. Do you know? Do you know? Film. There's there's two there's two parts in that film that I relate to more than anything, and the first bit is the panic attack right at the start of the film. The film yeah. starts with him having a panic attack, but it's when they come back up from the holiday and they smoke that ginormous Camberwell carrot. Camberwell carrot. <laughs> oh, 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 and, and they come back and he he starts having a panic attack because. Marwood, so it's with Mel and Marwood is, the, is the, the younger guy. And he gets an acting role and he starts having a panic attack. In. And I was like, oh my God, I've been there where you, you just, it's the anxiety and panic are so, so devastating if they are not controlled. Yeah. Because you need anxiety. Anxiety is when you, you're nervous to go on stage. It's because you don't know what's going to happen, but that gets you to that height yeah. to be able to do the show. So it's so important to to not fear 
uh, fight or flight response because one day you might really need to run away from something and you're going to be very happy that you have anxiety then. So, mm. but I learned a lot about it. I got a lot of people to thank for that as well. But you know, it was uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. And that's probably what that is. That was a bit long, wasn't it? It was perfect. Okay. It was beautiful. We got an insight into into the whole aspect of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck. The valiant. The valiant. The valiant. Yeah. Do you want to see your motivating force? The scales. It's perfect balance. Do you know why? I'm a Libra. Oh, oh shit, <laughs> son. Do you want me to read it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Number twenty-four. Okay, the scales. A pair of scales with fruit hanging from an ancient twisted fruit tree. The symbol stands for justice, moderation, prudence, and a sense of balance in our affairs. It represents common sense and a harmony with the world of nature. Okay. And that's, so that's what drives me, is, is uh, like a justice sort of thing, or like a yeah, it's like your motiv- fair play? It's, I guess it's like your motivation. So, so I would say it's... The decision, that, that's the thing that makes you want to go to your goal. So that's the thing that drives you forward. And I, I would, from having heard you talk, I would say that's pretty damn accurate. Wow. It's very powerful. This, this has been very powerful today. Yeah. Right. Anyway, thank you very much. I agree, dude. It's been yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, so, so, but just on that, because that yeah. is quite, it's quite, it's quite strange, because... Now that you mention it, I think I, I would love to help people, you know, really. Like, I love, I love being in a band and I want to go as far as that will possibly go, right? Mm. But ultimately, one thing that I want to do in the future when, I, when, I've, when I've put this beast to bed is um, help a lot of young people get into work because mm. I think a lot of young people really struggle. I'm not sure whether they're getting the skills they need, um, and we have a lot. I work with a lot of young people that can't even form a sentence, and I, and I don't think they have great role models either. So that's something that I'd like to look at. Obviously, I want to do music first, and and always do it. But um, I believe in in lifting people up, not pigeonholing people or putting people into categories. We have so much more than that. Yeah. And that's what I want to be part of and, you know, inspiring people to do something, something that makes them feel good. It's really, that's, you know, why not feel good? Because I know how to feel terrible. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to feel good as well. I think when you've been that low, you really do appreciate it when you do start experiencing, like, the pleasures of life. Mm. When, somebody said to me once, they said, like, if you can't see the, the joy of a sunset, you probably need to go and talk to someone. Mm. And that's when I said... I've got to do something about this now because this is getting out of hand. And I did, and I got a lot of help, and you know, so I'm very grateful for it. And now, you, now it's not time to live. Yeah. And live properly. You've got your friendships, mm. you've got your camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. helping you yeah. achieve that sense of balance. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I've, I've had such a good time. I know. I know I would as well. I was. Uh, I was very excited when you asked me to come on here. So. Oh, we're excited to have you. Okay. We, we like the moment. I, I can't remember when it was. I think we were watching you play. We've we've mentioned you ha- having you on a few times, quite a few times over the past few years now. But yeah, when we saw you play with Flame Barrel, we were like, well, why haven't we just done it? Yeah. to have you on and now you're here yeah okay it's wonderful we manifested you yeah yes well you know you know maybe maybe <laughs> yeah 
Well, for everyone watching and listening, thank you so much for sharing this experience with us. Feel free to throw us a like and a subscribe. Um, and thank you, Andrew. Andy. <laughs> Andy. Thank you, Nina and Shem. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Nice.